Welcome to That's My Personal Business, where we are pulling back the curtain on all things personal, all things business, and all things in between. Every Monday, we're hopping into your headphones to help you skip the learning curve by hearing from industry professionals, including myself. I am a destination wedding photographer turned business coach who now gets to lead hundreds of creative entrepreneurs in building lives of artistic growth, wealth, and freedom. And now it's time for you to do the same. Hello, hello, you guys. Welcome back to another episode of That's My Personal Business. I'm so excited to have you here. And I'm so excited for today's episode, you guys. I'm like literally giddy. Wow, if this is your first podcast episode, that was like a lot to kind of start it off. Welcome. I promise it's not all British accents. It is a lot of them sometimes, but not all. Anyway, I'm personally so excited about today's episode because we have Liz Tran on the podcast who has been such a like source of inspiration for me over the last couple years. I like can't remember when I initially followed her, but she is the creator of Reset NYC, which you have absolutely seen on Instagram somewhere. Like 100%. Go look it up right now. Um, but she's incredible. Like she's so amazing. And I knew she was in New York, but like, you know, when you follow people with huge social media presences and you forget that they're actual people that exist in the real world. That's how I thought of Liz Tran. Like her brand reset NYC wasn't like a huge personal brand face. Um, and so it didn't even like cross my mind that like, this is a human that does in fact live in New York. And she reached out to me a bit ago about her new book that just came out, which is amazing. And we're going to talk about it in this episode, but she reached out to ask if I wanted a copy. And I literally was like fangirling because her work is so incredible. Her like content is so inspirational. Like she's just amazing. So I'm so beyond excited for you guys to listen to this conversation because it was one of those ones where I was like, oh, I can't wait to personally listen to this episode again because I needed so much of what she had to say. We're talking mindset, money. We're talking failures in like this really beautiful, authentic and honest way that I've never had someone be so honest about like ways that they have truly just failed like it was so beautiful to like hear from someone that you admire so much like oh I have also failed and not in a way where I'm just going to say that I'm going to tell you exactly how I failed it's just it's a beautiful conversation so I'm so beyond giddy for you guys to take a listen to it I don't want to take up too much time here I'm gonna remind you that becoming is back open which I'm so excited about. We only have a few spots that we are leaving open for the next nine to 12 months. I mean, that's how long the program is. We're not going to keep doors open that long. So come fill out an application. Let's hop on a consultation call, see if we're a good fit, see what the goals are, see what you're wanting to work towards, come up with the game plan and get you into the, into the program. I'm devastated because we just finished up several coaching programs for some of my other girls. And I'm so sad that they're done with their program. (laughs) But now that means it's your turn. So if you've been thinking about taking your business to the next level, you want actionable steps, you want someone cheerleading you in your corner, you want someone telling you exactly what to do and how to do it in order to reach your goals, that's me. So come fill out an application. Let's get started. I'm going to stop talking now because I want you to get to know Liz. Let's go. Hello, you guys. Welcome back to the podcast and welcome Liz Tran. Liz, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me, Eden. Oh my gosh. I am giddy because I have been following Reset NYC for 
years. I wish there was a way to look up how long you've been following an account, but I'm like, I've been following it as long as I can remember. Um, so I'm so excited to talk to you, talk to you about your new book, all things mindset, just so many things. But for those that don't know you yet, would you mind giving us just a small intro? Of course. I am an executive coach, meaning I coach founders and CEOs of tech companies. And because that is such a niche thing, I've tried to bring that work to a broader audience. And I do that through Instagram, through my podcast, and now through this book that just came out as a way of helping people reach their greatest potential. And sort of my whole reason for being on this planet is the belief that every person has a beautiful mission in terms of why they're here. That's very unique and specific to them. Um, and my hope is to help people discover what that is. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited because when you look up, okay. So the new book, the karma of success, when you look it up, um, it says like business coach, tech executive, Reiki healer, spiritual leader, and like <laughs> those four things you don't see often within the same realm. And even like your definition of like, I coach tech executives, like you don't really hear about spirituality, at least for me in the corporate realm too often, or like the techie realm. So can you talk to us a little bit about how you got into all of this and a little bit about like where you started? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think my whole experience has been working up to this point of embracing these two sides of my being and knowing that they are connected and they support each other and being really vocal about that. Um, because previously, I mean, I've been interested in spirituality for such a long time. I started going on nonstop meditation retreats when I was in my mid late twenties, learning about meditation, going every Friday night to this place in New York city called New York meditation. And it was just a really important part of who I was. I was always reading self-help books, um, was really into different modalities like numerology, astrology, past life regressions. And I kept that part of who I was very separate from the work I did to the point where I think people knew that I was, you know, quote unquote, woo woo, but I never really actively talked about it because I thought it would make me feel not as credible or not as professional. And it was actually like through this process of really harnessing my spirituality, I initially got into it to get through a really bad breakup. And it actually pushed me to make some big changes in my career. And at that point, I was in my early 30s. I had this great job at a venture firm. I was an executive there. I was the only female executive at like this top firm. I was making lots of money and it was a very prestigious job, but it wasn't really me. It felt like I couldn't show up and be who I was every day. And I remember my therapist, I was talking to her and I was like, I don't know. I'm so tired. I feel like I'm so exhausted, even though I'm eating healthy go to sleep at the right time, exercising. And very matter of factly, she said, you're so tired because you're pretending to be someone different every day. Mm. And I was like, wow, that really- Yeah, that'll get you. Yeah, exactly. Like pretending to be someone else. It's so exhausting, really drains you. And I made a decision not too long after that, that maybe I should go do my own thing and not worry so much about the way- you know, I articulated who I was and how I was presenting to the world. I just wanted to do something where I could be me. And honestly, I think part of that too was like saying that, you know, I think a lot of my success came from these spiritual practices that I've been really engaging with. And so the book, The Karma of Success is very much about that thesis. It's this idea that, you know, success comes when you work from the inside out, where you don't worry too much about what I call mechanical work. That's like who's in your network and what people think of you and what schools you went to. 
But more importantly, it's the stuff on the inside. It's your mindset. It's your habits. It's the way that you allow yourself to be authentic, creative, et cetera. And honestly, when all those ducks are in a row for me, it feels like everything kind of comes from the inside out. And so even, you know, in moments when I was starting this practice of coaching and I think, oh, I need more clients. I need to make more money. I'd always try to do it from the inside out where I'd say, okay, why don't I meditate more? Why don't I get back to my journaling practices? Why don't I reread some of my coaching books? So I know that I'm really boning up on my skill set. And then like magic, it would always be like an introduction in my email the next day that was like, Hey, this person's looking for coaching. And so this book that I've spent the past two or three years working on is kind of my public foray into the world and saying, Hey, these two things can unite. Um, and honestly, even as recently as like two years ago, I felt weird about when my clients were like, Oh, I saw that you have an Instagram page and the Instagram page is pretty popular but I kept those two sides of myself very divided. And then finally, when I realized how much power came from just being me, I remember kind of putting everything together onto one website. I had two different places where my life lived previously. I put them all together and I was like, okay, great. I feel good. This is who I am. Oh my gosh. I have so many questions. Okay. But <laughs> to clarify, I'm like, oh, so Risa NYC and your coaching practice were separate. Yeah. So my coaching practice was called Reset. Um, and so is the Instagram account. It's called Reset NYC. Um, but I never mentioned anything on my coaching website about the social mm. media. And okay. on the Instagram, it used to not say anything about my coaching practice either. Interesting. So what was that? What was that mindset shift like? Like, what did that look like in practice? Did you just like sit down and just change it all in one day? Did you have to work up to it? Like, what did that look like for you? It happened I think subtly over time, but I think I was being introduced to, to this idea over and over again. And the, like, I guess the, the straw that broke the camel's back was I was trying to write this book and I had a book proposal and originally it was a coaching book. It was called how to go for it or something like that. Like how to take a risk, how to get what you want. And I found this great literary agent who believed in me and she wanted to go pitch me and try to get this book sold. She said, this book is really one-dimensional and boring. Who are you? Who are you really? And she, I was like, I don't know. I guess this is who I am. And she was like, no, what do you love talking about in your podcast? What do you love doing? And I said, you know, I, I really want to write a book that is a hybrid spirituality and business book. But everyone has told me that I can't do that, that you have to choose a lane when you're writing a book because otherwise booksellers won't know where to put your book. They'll be very confused about it and they won't buy it. And my agent said, that is an old way of thinking about things. The best way to set your up yourself to set yourself up for success is to just be who you are and to have a unique message that no one else is saying. And it was very, very healing in so many ways for her to say that because my agent is Vietnamese American, as am I. And she's probably a little bit younger than my mom, but sort of in that older generation. And growing up, my mom was always like, you need to be a certain way. You should do this. You should do that. Grow your hair long. You need to be better. And she never really cared about who I was and expressing that. It was more like, this is who you need to be. And this is growing up means. And so to have someone who is sort of like a mothering figure say, no, just be who you are was so, so transformational. I was like, I can't believe this. And so honestly, after that, I was like, okay, let's do this. And so then I rewrote the proposal. We sold the book. And that was 
the step into the future where it was like combining those two sides actually led to success. Whereas keeping a part of myself back was holding me back too. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's, and also like one, all of that is so powerful, but also to have it come from someone that, like you said, almost feels like a mother figure is so healing and beautiful. And like, no matter what your relationship with your parents is like, I think just having someone who is of similar age or like relationship as your parents is just so powerful on so many levels. So that's like such a beautiful little nod from the universe. I love that. Yeah, it was great. That's so lovely. Um, Okay. So I think one of my biggest questions that I, when I was like prepping to talk to you, I was like, I'm going to ask her about this. Cause I've been, there's, I was going to say within my industry, but I'm like within every industry right now, there's, you know, we're having a little bit of like an economic lull. Um, I don't know a lot of people whose industries are like operating the same way that they have um, normally. Um, I know a lot of my corporate friends have been facing layoffs and things like that, which can all be really scary. Um, And I know you mentioned that when you were having a problem in your business, you wanted to like sink in deeper to yourself. And I think that can be, I've found it's easier for me to like tap into my intuition if I'm feeling at least relatively comfy. So I would love to talk to you about, I'm like, this is the longest wind up, longest question ever, (laughs) but I would love to talk to you about like how to both logistically and mindset wise lean into yourself and your own intuition when things are rocky, when, you know, whether that's in your personal life or the economy or whatever that may be, how do you personally, or how do you recommend people start doing that when it feels a little scary or uncertain? Yeah, there's, there are three steps to this that I really rely on. The first one is sort of normalizing the fact that things are tough for everyone. And it's not particularly about you. And so something that I did a lot when I was going through really tough times with my business and getting it off the ground was I would look for examples of people who had experienced a lot of rejection, failure, financial dis-ease, discomfort, and were now very successful. And I would think, okay, this doesn't mean that I'm not going to make it. This doesn't mean that I'm not going to do well. This is just something everyone goes through. And I think that depersonalization is so important. So that's step one. And I made a few posts on recent about this, where I was like, these are all the people who failed. And I was just so into this. I was Googling people all the time. And, and I, I, I do that a lot now because I think even when, when I'm feeling like, you know, something's taking longer for it to launch than I want it to, or I feel like maybe my timeline is going a lot slower than I want it to. I have to remind myself that, um, this is just like a normal part and there are ups and downs to everything. And I am not immune to that is all part of the journey towards success. And that actually these failures, these hardships make it more likely that success is going to be on the way for me. It's kind of like just getting them out of the way. And I remember reading somewhere once early on when I started working in tech years ago, someone said that when you're raising money for your business, you're going to get a hundred no's. And so you might as well just get them out of the way. And so I kind of thought about it like this. I just need to get these things out of the way. I'm going through something right now, dark night of the soul, but I'm just getting it out of the way so I can succeed. The second point of first is depersonalization. The second is about confidence. And so I think that we are so programmed in our society to feel good about ourselves when things are going well, when we're getting a lot of validation, a lot of positive reinforcement, and then feel bad about ourselves when things aren't going well. And it's really a shame 
because when we most need to feel good about ourselves is when things aren't going well. And so I lean wholeheartedly into rebuilding my confidence when things are really tough. So something I do religiously when I'm going through a tough time is I write down three things that I did really well that day, every single day. It's my self-gratitude list. And it's funny because three is a lot. Some days when things were going really badly in my business, it would be as simple as like, I made it through all my emails today, or I got up on time and I like did the dishes and I worked out, right? Things like that, where it's going to be like, I made myself do yoga, or I made myself do these three things. And so it started to reward just taking small steps forward instead of the big wins that everyone's going to celebrate with you. Oh, you got a new client. Oh, you made this much money. Everyone's going to celebrate that for you. But I got into the habit of celebrating all those little micro steps forward. And so the first depersonalization, the second is building up your confidence. And then finally, the third is I think just about learning and growing and pivoting. And so I try to really always look and say like, is there something that I am not doing well here? Is there something that I need to change? And I would take this mindset of, yes, I'm always learning and growing and I'm making mistakes. I'm never going to let, you know, this fact that I need to change tell me that I can't ever do it. Right. Because I think that's part of it. It's like, you need to be really hard on yourself, but not so hard that you start to think that you're worthless. And so I sort of tried to hold those two together where I was like, how can I constantly change and improve? Maybe what I'm putting out there isn't resonating. Maybe I need to redo my website. Maybe I need to do more marketing, whatever it might be, or more networking. And at the same time, I'm also going to say, you know, like this doesn't mean that I'm a failure. It just means that I'm pivoting. So I think those three things, depersonalization, confidence, and pivoting are sort of the things that I rely on whenever it feels like I'm getting stuck. I love that. I'm like, those are so tangible and doable, even when you're not feeling great or things feel a little rocky. Um, the last one has been something I've been thinking about so much lately and talking to a lot of my clients about is just this idea of like, if something's not working, let's try doing it differently or let's try learning something we didn't know before. Cause I think as adults and like, especially like people who have been doing their career for a while, it's so easy to just get stuck in that routine <laughs> of just doing the same thing over and over again, even when it's maybe not getting us the results that we want. Um, when it comes to learning, what are some of your favorite ways to do that? Like, what does that look like for you? Someone who is, I'm like, from the outside, I'm like, you're so accredited. You have so many, I'm like, you've done so many things. I'm like, where do you learn? <laughs> where do you go to learn yeah. more? Well, you know, I, I think that it's funny because I really like learning two ways. Um, the first is like, I like learning for fun. So I think a lot of that can come from podcasts, reading books. I always love reading self-help books. But I think the more important type of learning really comes from just trying stuff and seeing what sticks to the wall. I have failed so much more than any of the people I know, mostly, you know, and it's funny because, um, you know, the other day I was talking to my friend and she is a Virgo. She's very perfectionistic. She always, I've known her since college. She always did better than me in college. She went to the best grad school for her field. She always worked at really good firms after she graduated. And now that we are where we are, I think we were probably 35 when we had this conversation and she was like, you know, everything comes so easily for you. Your career is great. You're so happy. Everything just works. And I was like, well, I think it's because it's also been really hard 
I've taken a lot of risks and I've failed a lot. And she's sort of my foil where she hasn't actually taken a lot of risks Mm. and her perfectionism really prevents her from taking risks. She's really afraid. She's had a whole bunch of ideas for little things that she can start, like, you know, a little Etsy shop that she wanted to start, um, you know, a little consulting service on the side that she wanted to do outside of her day-to-day, maybe taking a risk and going to, you know, a smaller firm, but instead she's been with, you know, the same person, same partner, even though that hasn't really been working. She's been doing the same things over and over again. And I really believe that the definition, what they say, you know, the definition of stupidity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. And I've done so many things that didn't work. I tried teaching corporate meditation classes and that didn't really work as an income perspective. Mm -hmm. I also wasn't really happy with it. I invested all this money into building a website and blah, blah, blah. Um, I tried teaching yoga. I wasn't very good at it. I did like a whole teacher training. I tried doing online classes, both live and recorded. So spent probably a hundred hours making these courses that no one bought. Mm-hmm. Um, I did a whole business, like an actual brick and mortar location here in New York city that I put my entire life savings into. And then it shut down after nine months because of COVID. And literally I had spent all my money building this space, like all the money I'd saved up until the age of 34, working these horrible long houred finance jobs to get the space, remodel it, furnish it. And it lost so much money during the first six months before it started breaking even that I had to cash out my 401k and take out like high interest credit card loans, which I do not recommend to anyone, but I like, that was a huge mistake. And I felt like I had ruined my life, but I never really let those things make me feel like I was, wasn't good enough for very long. Mm -hmm. I definitely was really sad when the space closed down. Um, it was right in obviously March of 2020. And I kind of like licked my wounds for a while for a month or two. And then I was kind of like, okay, what is this here to teach me? What am I here to learn? What is this opening up for me? And I really believe what they say where they're like, if you want something from the universe, then the answer is always yes, later or something better. Mm. And it took a while, but the something, something better wound up coming. And that was my book. It was my coaching business. It was all these things that have now come into my life. Um, they're really beautiful. And, you know, when the space closed, I was really underemployed. I didn't really have a lot of clients. I had a lot of free time. And I said, I'm just going to spend this time learning how to write while I also try to drum up new business. And it opened up this whole avenue that was so healing and fulfilling and creatively rewarding for me. Wow. One, thank you so much for being vulnerable and sharing not just the like generic, like, yeah, everyone has failures, but like being willing to tell us like, no, this happened and this, like, I think it's, so powerful to talk about like tangible things that happened because I think there's sometimes a vagueness within the online space of like yeah no everyone has tough times and you're like there's no way no one has them like me though so I I appreciate your candidness and in just being like no this was horrible this was my savings this was you know brick and mortar um and like what a beautiful testament of like you said that it's like a yes later or something better like I think that's such a a beautiful way to think of things and to trust to that whatever's happening isn't like a reflection of you as a person because I think people just so naturally go there 
Yeah, that's exactly right. And I think it's because we're so much harder on ourselves than we are on other people. Because if, you know, those same failures or mistakes happened to our best friend, we would say, oh, it's just a setback. You're great. But for some reason, we look at them when they happen to ourselves and we think, oh, you're not good enough. You're mm-hmm. never going to make it. You know, you're not as good as the people around you. And I think that that, you know, finding and searching of self-compassion is really critical if you're building anything because, um, you know, it's hard. It's hard to work for yourself. You're not getting a pat on the back from anyone. It's hard to be an entrepreneur (laughs) and you've got to learn how to be your own best boss. You know, I think sometimes when I was starting off and starting my business, if any boss had treated me the way I did myself, I would quit. I'd be like, no, you're so mean, you're abusive. But then you, you know, you realize you like, you have to be that person that is your own biggest cheerleader and your own biggest support. I literally talk about that all the time. Like the whole best boss thing. Cause I'm like, yeah, if your boss told you you had to work till four in the morning every day with like no vacations and no personal time, you would quit in five seconds. That's crazy. And yet we do it to ourselves all the time. Um, but also, yeah, to like walk that line of like, yeah, entrepreneurship is, I always say, I'm like, it's not for the faint of heart. Like it, it comes with things that are easier than working a traditional quote unquote job, but like comes with things that are much harder. Um, when you have like continued to do so many amazing routes within your career um, and so many different, you know, tangents and breakoffs. Um, and like you said, some of them didn't work out. How have you kind of found like the courage and strength to continually take risks, even though some, you know, most of the time it doesn't work out, you know, it's, I feel like, at least for me, I'm like, I feel like it's like one in one in 50 chances work. Out. Yeah. Um, how do you kind of like keep coming up with that will to be like, let's do it again. Let's risk it again. Yeah. You know, I I think it's really hard. And there was definitely a moment when I thought I should quit trying to do this and I should get a job somewhere. And I remember spending the whole day looking on LinkedIn job postings and thinking, okay, where can I apply? Where am I actually qualified after doing this kind of failed entrepreneurial thing for a couple of years, what should I do? And my then partner now husband came home from work and I told him, I was like, I think, I think I'm done. I think I can't do this anymore. And he said, just try for six more months. Mm. And then it was in that six months that everything turned around. I booked this amazing client that led to a ton of other clients and in that moment, I really did need to lean on other people. And so I think that was part of it. I also had a great community of other women who were getting their businesses off the ground. Um, I think having that support system of friends, family members, whoever it is that, you know, can understand getting, becoming part of community groups where you can help each other, I think is really, really key because sometimes it's too hard to just keep going on your own and you have to ask for help. So I think that was really important is like asking for help. But then I think the second part too is knowing when I needed to take a little bit of a break sometimes. Um, and also knowing that, you know, when I talk about a break, it's like taking on work for me, that meant taking on work that wasn't necessarily the thing that was my dream, but at least it would pay the bills for a little while. And I wouldn't worry so much about it. So for me, it was like other types of consulting work that wasn't coaching. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know what? it's fine. Is this the most thrilling work of my life? No, but (laughs) does it actually help me 
flourish as a person so I can sort of get my renew myself and get myself back to equilibrium again? Yes. And I actually think there's nothing wrong with taking a break from your dream. If you need to go get a job for a while, that's okay. Mm -hmm. Go do that. You know, if you need to do something that isn't perfectly on your path, that's okay too. You know, it's like every journey, every road is going to be imperfect. And so I think those two things, when I look back, really helped me a lot where, you know, I could recognize that I needed help from others. And the secondarily, could notice that it wasn't going to be this straight line up into the right. It was going to be more like a zigzag up and down and up and down. Um, and I tried to really kind of capture a lot of these sentiments when I was building the Instagram account. It's so funny. Like when I started this Instagram account, I did not think it was going to go anywhere. It was literally just there to help me find catharsis for how hard the entrepreneurial journey was. And then within, I think a year no, it was actually shorter than that. It was within like that six month period that I went from like 13,000 followers to a hundred thousand, like without doing any sort of promotion, just sort of making these little posts. And, you know, they would all be reflective of the tough things that I was working my way through and trying to remind myself, be positive, be positive. Mm, I was going to ask where like that started and kind of what that journey has been like, cause I'm like, are you a graphic designer? How did this all begin? Yeah. I'm not a graphic designer. So I actually hand draw the charts and the drawings in my notebook. And I send them to my friend, Tessa, who I met, um, when reset was that physical space in New York Mm. and we'd have classes there. And she came in for, I think a Lionsgate workshop. Um, and she was a, right now she's a creative director, um, for a magazine called Atmos. But before this, this was almost five years ago, she was, you know, a a graphic designer working in-house. And she reached out and she said, Hey, I'd love to work with you somehow. And then we wound up becoming really good friends. She's one of my closest friends now. And so she works part-time for reset. I send her the hand-drawn images. She draws them up. We are very simpatico. Like basically we can do all this without really having to communicate. She gets what I'm trying to say and she always makes it better. And so it kind of just fell into my lap. It was something that we were really doing for fun. And she also is the one who has designed all the charts that are in the book. So I drew them um, and then she made them look beautiful with the reset aesthetic. Wow. That's so cool. I love that. I had no idea that you hand drew them. That's like such a fun way of expressing yourself differently than, or like outside of the online space. I love that. Yeah, it was great. I mean, in, in like literally every chart, I can look at that chart and pinpoint to what my emotional experience was. One of our best performing posts, I think it's been shared like a million times. It's something oh totally crazy. Um, and it's called good things take time. And it's just sort of this like up and down, up and down where you finally get to where you're going. Mm-hmm. And I wrote that chart when I was trying to get pregnant for two years And it just Mm -hmm. wasn't working. And I was doing all these fertility treatments. And I remember sitting down and just being like, I need to draw myself something that I can look at that will help me feel better. And so there's this really deep, beautiful, emotional connection that I have with, with everything that's on the Instagram account. Yeah. That is such a, like, it's literally just a little treasure trove and diary for you. I love that. Yeah. That's so beautiful. When did you officially start that? And did you like already have graphics that you had built out? Or was this literally like, a, like, I'm going to just create art to express myself and share it online? It all happened when I closed down that physical space during the pandemic. All of this, all of this happened around then. Um, because in the same way too, 
Um, I also previously had the podcast, um, but it was a different format. It was me and Tessa and then our friend Vanessa just talking about wellness related stuff, things that we were doing, things that we were into. And then as the pandemic progressed and remember in the first few months is when a lot of consciousness and awareness came to Black Lives Matter because of George Floyd. And there was just a lot going on for everyone in the world. And someone had written to our like info at Reset NYC email and said, your podcast is horrible. Like you all are so privileged and there's so much going on the world. And, you know, you're just sitting here talking about how this is like the best creative time for you ever. And I sat with that feedback and I thought, you know, I think this person's right. Let's put this podcast on hiatus. So I put it on pause and I started working on the Instagram account as like a, another channel for just sort of working through some of these ideas. I also knew that I did want to write a book later. So I thought, okay, this will be an, a testing ground for some of the concepts and ideas I want to work with. Plus, you know, I also do know that it like helps to have some sort of social media presence if you want to sell a book later. Um, and so I just used it to sort of express my feelings. And then um, I had the podcast come back a few months later. I think it was August of 2020, but I changed the format completely. Instead of it being a conversation with the three of us, it was just me doing these 30 minute segments that were meant to be really educational and helpful. So they were very well-structured. There's always a thesis, something that you learned. Sometimes it was based on a book that I had read so that you could digest it easily without having to read the book. Um, and the podcast also just grew so quickly overnight. It went from like 300 downloads an episode to 3000 downloads an episode. And so it was just growing and growing. Um, and this all was in 2020, which, you know, in many ways was the worst year of my life. I had, you know, $140,000 in debt that I was trying to pay off. I did not have really any steady income to be able to do that, um, you know, things were just a mess. Everything was just so hard. I'd just gotten married that year. It's like still trying to work through how to be married and how to make that relationship work. And so I, in the moment of it, I was like, this is the worst year of my life. Literally, this is the worst year I've ever had my entire existence on this planet. And I've had a pretty hard life, you know, like, like, I mean, it's been very blessed in a lot of ways, but you know, like I've never met my dad. I was raised by a single mom. And I was like, no, this is way worse than any of my childhood stuff. But now I look back and I see that that's actually the year where everything blossomed and it was truly actually the turning point. And therefore maybe it was the best year. That's such a beautiful perspective. And I think just like, so needed to just like have said over and over again, like there has to be lows before highs. And I think that's such a like beautiful testament to what you were like paving the way for and also just like a huge massive fucking congratulations to you too like you have so much to be proud of that's I'm like that's a very short turnaround time to go from the lowest point in your life to like here and like inspiring so many other creatives to focus on moving forward and upwards even if it's one step you know forward two back sometimes so I hope you're so proud of yourself congratulations like that's just so amazing and inspirational Thank you. I think what you just said is very true that that rock bottom, it always happens right before something good is going to come in. And mm -hmm. I really see that for myself. And I've also noticed this for my clients too, where it's in those moments where 
they say, I want to give up. I don't want to do this anymore. I hate this. And then you kind of know that just around the corner, there's something really good. There's a change happening. If you can just stick it through, just change what you need to change. Pema Chodron is one of my favorite Buddhist writers. And Mm. she always says that nothing changes until it teaches you what you need to know. And I find that so, so fucking consoling where you're like, okay, this thing is still happening to me. I need to change something. There's a mindset. Mm -hmm. There's something here. Let me dig, dig, and dig. Um, And then if it's not changing, I think, okay, well, I haven't learned what my lesson is. I keep, I need to keep figuring out what it is. There's more, there's, there's more depth that I can reach with this. Oh, that's so beautiful. I'm like, I need to like write that down and stick that everywhere in my home because <laughs> yeah. um, I think it it can feel so discouraging to get stuck in that loop of like, why is this happening repeatedly, whether that's personally or professionally or whatever it may be. And so I think it's such a beautiful and amazing and needed reminder that it's a lesson to be learned. Otherwise it wouldn't be showing up. Um, so thank you so much for sharing that. Um, to kind of come back to the book and everything that just launched, I would love to know if you have like a favorite part of the book one, and then two, like, I would love to know what your favorite part of the process was. Like, was there something unexpected that it either brought out in you or your life? Yeah. This, the process of writing this book was so transformational. Um, but maybe I'll talk about my favorite part of the book first. My favorite chapter of the book is about this time period, this rock bottom time period that I write about in depth in the book. And the reason why I love it so much is that I think there are a lot of business books out there where the person says, hi, I'm the expert. You should trust me and do these things that I'm telling you to do because I'm so amazing at this thing. And I didn't ever want to write a book like that. I wanted to write a book that showed that I was a real person, deeply flawed in many ways. And comfortable with that (laughs) and to say, you know, this Mm -hmm. is who I am. And I want to be really honest and really open ups and downs. And so I love that chapter because for me, what it represents is a decision I made early on where at first, when I started writing, I felt this deep self-consciousness of what are people going to think about me? How are they going to perceive me? Are they going to like me? Am I going to seem credible and smart enough? And then I was so far in my head, I couldn't write anything. And I realized I can't worry about the way I'm being perceived by this imaginary future reader or else I'm never going to be able to write the book. So let me just realize and recognize this might be the only book I ever write. So I've just got to write it for me. So then I made this decision that I'm just going to write this book without very much self-consciousness. And if people don't like me, that's okay. Maybe this will be the only book that I write, but I have to do this for me. And that opened up everything. So I love that chapter. And then in the process of the book itself, um, I actually wound up having a different thesis early on. So the book that I sold was sort of an entrepreneurial spiritual handbook. So it was sort of like billed as the spiritual MBA for entrepreneurs. Um, and I was writing this book, writing, writing, writing. They give you a year to write after you sell it. So you sell it and then you have to turn it in. Like I think in my case, it was nine months later. I signed the contract in January and then I had to turn it in September 1st. Um, And by the time July came around, I had probably three quarters of it written, but I didn't really like any of what I'd written. It didn't feel cohesive. And I went on a trip with three of my friends who were also writing books. 
at the time and I woke up in the middle of the night and I was like, I don't think that this, this is the right book. I don't think this is like the actual book that I need to be writing right now. I want to write about success that comes from within. I want to write about trusting your intuition. I want to write about how it's not about the things that you do perfectly. It's more about who you are on the inside that dictates your success. And so I wound up in six weeks writing a completely different book. I threw out everything I had written before. Literally, there was nothing that was from that original draft that got carried like forward. six weeks before? Six weeks before. And I didn't have very good internet either because I was renovating this house that I had just bought in the country. So there was like, the internet was a DSL line that, okay. you know, it was like two megabytes a second. Like you couldn't even get on Zoom calls. And so I was like working in like a, rural co-working space in Norfolk, Connecticut, and with, you know, no private rooms, just like with other people around typing away, writing this book, writing in a tent to try to like get as close to the internet as possible. So I bought this tent off of Amazon for like 200 bucks and it was so hot because the sun would shine down on it and I would just be sweating and there's no air conditioning, obviously, because it's a tent. Yeah, I needed to have a tent because of the bugs. There is like so many mosquitoes. And so I had just a fan blowing on me and it was like 90 degrees. Um, but I wrote the book and then when I turned it in to my editor, she said, you know, this is one of the best books I've ever read from a first time author. And it was really trusting myself and trusting that I could start over again and trusting that my intuition was right, that there was something there because I was waffling back and forth. I was like, eh, I don't know. It seems a little late. I've got six weeks. How could I write another book? I don't know. Maybe my editor or my publisher will be mad at me if I change what I said I was going to write, but then I really listened to that inner voice that said, no, none of this is working. This isn't good. Just start over again. Wow. I'm like, that is giving, wait, I'm like, what is your sign? I'm an Aquarius. You're an Aquarius. What is your rising? Um, I'm also an Aquarius rising and I'm a Capricorn <laughs> moon. Okay. I was like, is there cap in there somewhere? I'm like the <laughs> audacity to start something like that. So last minute, I'm like, there has to be like a little bit of like Capricorn hardworkingness in there. Um, wow. That's incredible. And like, it's giving, I'm like, wow, it feels like me in high school, just like last minute <laughs> being like, actually, never mind. We're going to change that up a little. I love that. Yeah. I mean, I really resonate with, with Capricorn energy because it is my moon and I've also had a lot of stuff kind of transits happening with my Capricorn moon over the past few years. And, um, and also Capricorn and Aquarius are all ruled by Saturn. And so it's very much this energy of like, okay, just get it done. You know, it's fine. Just go for it. Um, and so I feel really lucky with I, I don't know. I like my astrology. I also love my astrology. Um, I like didn't fully believe in astrology until I learned my big three. And then I was like, oh, um, I'm a Sagittarius with a Capricorn rising and a Cancer moon. Oh, um, beautiful. I yeah. love a Cancer moon. Yeah. I play hard, work hard, feel hard. Yeah. And yeah, I'm like it, it all very much chalks up to me. <laughs> wow. So you have fire, earth, um, and water in your big three. That's really nice. Yes. Yeah. I know. I'm like, I'm grateful for the cancer moon though. She is tough. Sometimes I'm like, I feel like she keeps me human and emotional. Cause just Sag and uh, <laughs> Capricorn, my entire chart is like just Sag and Cap other than like two <laughs> things. So I'm like, I'm glad that's there. To keep me um, Oh my gosh. Well, this was so amazing. Thank you so much. Liz. I'm like, I'm so excited to listen back on this episode. Thank you for sharing your knowledge and story with us. 
Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Oh my gosh. Yes. It's been amazing. Um, obviously we will link everything in the show notes from your Instagram to your new book, but can you tell everyone where they can find you on the internet? Yes. Go to reset NYC on Instagram and my website is Liz tran.com. And the book is the karma of success and you can get it places that sell books. <laughs> I think Amazing. most places it's out there. Yay, it's, I love it's in the world. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, seriously, thank you so much again. This was so phenomenal. Thanks for having me. Mm-hmm.